Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Kelly Garrett. Hi, Kelly. Hey there. Good to be here. I'm excited to have Kelly with us. Uh, Kelly is going to share with us her entrepreneurial journey, how she got to where she is today. And then we're going to do a deep dive on Facebook chatbots, uh, chatbots in general, but in particular, the ability to do that, use that tool rather on Facebook using Facebook Messenger and how as small business owners, we can take advantage of that as a marketing tool. So um, we're going to chat about Facebook chatbots and her interesting journey to how she got to be an entrepreneur. Uh, but let me give you a little bit of background on Kelly. Uh, Kelly is a developer, a designer, and a marketing strategist. And she's been in the online world of marketing and everything online uh, for over 10 years now. Her agency is called Etcetera Design and Marketing. That's Etcetera with a K-E-K-C-E-T-E-R-A. Etcetera Design and Marketing. And they specialize in aligning the creative strategy of marketing with the technical and design implementation. Kelly and her team are masters at, at helping people get unstuck in their marketing and finding the best combination of strategy and tools to accomplish their goals. They do this through brand development and design, website creation, marketing automation, content strategy and execution, membership sites and course development. Uh, they provide a whole full stack of offerings to accomplish any marketing goal. And specifically, they're going to share, she's going to share with us today her expertise and knowledge and how they've helped clients use Facebook chatbots to uh, improve their customer reach and, and marketing. Uh, Kelly, from a, a young age, uh, she started business ventures and designed stationery from her desktop version of the print shop and a top matrix printer. So we're going back to around 1988 timeframe. And much of her college career was spent teaching herself design software and web development. We'll chat about that. And so her diverse background includes experience in IT and marketing management and establishing that perfect foundation. Uh, she was able to establish that perfect foundation rather to build the, the breadth of services now that she offers through Etcetera. Kelly lives in the Minneapolis St. Paul area with her family. And so again, we're going to chat about her journey and talk about Facebook bots. So Kelly Garrett, once again, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, great. I'm glad we were able to schedule this. I'm excited about this topic and chatting about your journey. So let, let's start there. You at uh, a school, if I got it right, you your first position was as a network administrator. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yep. It was for a very small company in rural Minnesota and just needed to connect up some computers to each other. Right. And then you went on to a marketing position and then you did some photography. So, so tell me about that early career journey. Yeah. So I've always been extremely creative and attracted to computers, you know, way back when we got our very first computer in our house and immediately kind of saw the connection between computers and design and creativity. And so that was always something that I was doing in my spare time. And then throughout high school and college, I just you know, found, looked for and found opportunities that allowed me to do something creative 
that had technology attached to it. So, you know, I was managing the marketing at our college bookstore. Um, I was really interested in photography. So worked at a photography studio and these were all just kind of jobs to get me through college. Um, and it really coincided with my education. I got an undergraduate degree in IT and that's where I kind of got the bug of web development, you know, learned some of the basics there and learned different um, programming languages and had a business side to things. So it just was a very natural path for me throughout my entire life to be pursuing um, technology, combining that with strategy and, and incorporating that into a business. And so then the, right, oh yeah. No, no, go ahead. No, so well, right after my undergrad degree, I kind of looked at the possibility of, you know, do I go out and get a corporate job? Do I continue school? And I just really felt like at that time, I wanted to still learn more about marketing specifically because doing IT in my undergrad degree didn't focus as heavily on marketing. So I went ahead and got my MBA right away and emphasized in marketing and entrepreneurship. Okay. And so the, the photography job and the marketing job and network admin job, those were as you were going through school and finishing your MBA. Is that chronologically? Yes. I'm just trying to, okay. Yeah. But yeah. well, both undergrad and MBA. Mm -hmm. All right, so back in college and going through school, when you also were, were doing the stuff on the side, was it about uh, you needed to, you know, part of it might have been paying for school, but was it also about an entrepreneurial desire? Did you, did you aspire to have your own business at some point back then? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was more heavily focused on entrepreneurial design, desire and, and just learning. Um, I was very fortunate to not need to pay my own way through college and, and didn't, you know, didn't have as many piling up bills as, as, a lot of people struggle with. So, so it was just kind of this need that I had to be constantly learning and constantly creating. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't about money. It was curiosity and, and just the desire to, to at some point. So you had in mind that at some point you would be an entrepreneur. Yes, absolutely. What, and what? I originally thought it would be later when I had mm -hmm. kids and okay. they were out of the house. <laughs> Why is that? Why did you have that thought? Why did you think that was, would, would be the order of it? It was just kind of a limiting mindset. I think I felt like, oh, that's going to take so much of my time and energy. I can't do that until I focus on family first. And, and family is highly, you know, it's a top priority of mine. So I just felt like they were mutually exclusive. And, and uh, I was suspecting at home that's what was modeled for you. In other words, were there entrepreneurs in your immediate family that gave you a different view of how that might happen? Yeah, definitely. My dad was an entrepreneur. He started his own business and um, yeah, and, and that was always encouraged. I, I was doing that my whole life. <laughs> but yet you thought that, that it was going to be hard work that had to come later. And it's interesting because a lot of times the children of entrepreneurs tend to only see the, the hard side of it, right? The headaches that we bring home sometimes and our kids kind of say, I don't want that. It, was right. there some of that or I'm still curious as to what made you think, boy, I can't tackle that now? Yeah, actually, you know, it was a very pivotal um, event that happened when I was a teenager. My, my dad, who started his own uh, construction company, and he was very successful with it. It was just getting it off the ground. Uh, it had been going for a couple of years, three years, maybe. Um, he had, he developed cancer and oh. he passed away when I was 13. Oh, wow. 
So wow. I think that was, you know, almost a, a scary point for me. Like, oh my gosh, if I'm so focused on my business, my family's going to suffer or, you know, I think that just completely changed my mindset around things. Wow. Yeah, no, definitely impactful. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Okay. So, so what then leads to you starting your, your first, I don't, well, what do you consider, et cetera, your first business that you started? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I have plans to start many more, but it's been yeah. the one that I've stuck with. Yeah. So tell me about what led to starting it. That's around 2006 or so. Yep. What were you doing then and what led you to start the business? Right. So I was just getting ready to graduate with my MBA. And it was that time period where, you know, we're encouraged to look for internships. Everybody is kind of scouting the corporations that they wanted to work for and really doing a lot of that. And I just wasn't feeling the same enthusiasm about that as everyone else in my class. We had a really small MBA class. There was about 30 of us. And I just didn't have the same, you know, exciting feeling to go out and find some company to work for. And so while I was doing a lot of the photography and, um, you know, design and, and marketing and everything else kind of on the side, I got a lot of uh, validation from people that said, hey, you're really good at this. I would like to have, you know, my sister-in-law needs this created or people started kind of referring me and, and it just, it came to this point where graduation came and I said, no, you know what? I just want to start a business. I don't want to go work for somebody else. Wow. That, that's, that was a big decision. Um, <laughs> how did you fund it? How did you get started financially? Yeah. And and I mean, I look back and I feel I was, I was extremely fortunate at that time that um, I was engaged and getting married and my now husband got a really fantastic job right out of school. We were kind of both graduating around the same time and he got a job right away and it could, you know, we could survive on his income. So with a lot of discussion and support from him, he said, okay, go ahead and do it. You know, yeah. it's now or never. And I, I just did, I kept it lean and, um, with, you know, with a service-based businesses, especially there's not a lot of capital investment to start with. So right. I, I tried to do as much as I could and just earn income. Yeah, no, that's great. It's that, and that approach of keeping it lean, and of course, like you said, it's a type of business that allows or lends itself to that. Did that also allow you to kind of reconcile this concern you had from what happened with your dad about family first and living your life, but not letting a business consume you? I got to think that still is something that you keep in mind to this day. Absolutely. And I think that was a big part of what turned me off to climbing the corporate ladder, so to speak, is that mm -hmm. I really worried about life balance when, you know, there's a corporation determining what hours I work and when I travel and that sort of thing. So I think it was very comforting to think like, wow, I could do my own thing and have so much control over my schedule. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a huge one. So financially, that wasn't necessarily a, a big risk initially. W what were you, if anything, afraid of when you think back as you were getting ready to launch that business? You know, it's funny. Um, when I think back, I, I must have been pretty naive because I was <laughs> young and out of school. I didn't really have fears about launching because I didn't know what I didn't know. 
Um, and I was getting a lot of validation from, you know, family and friends that were saying, yeah, go for it, go for it. And I had my husband's support and everything. So I, I guess I just kind of dove in and, and didn't really have too many things to worry about, but the fears came later mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, as things started being successful. That's when I, I had more fears. So tell me about that. What, what, because uh, I often hear this, what is it about being successful that you feared? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was freelancing essentially for maybe six months when I got to the point where I had more work than I could handle and I needed to hire my first designer. Yeah. And that experience when you hire your first person is very humbling because then you are, you know, I was giving more of the income to her than I was keeping for myself and, you know, knowing that the reward would pay off later. Um, And then all of a sudden you're responsible for someone's livelihood. So I think that became really scary to feel like, you know, I need to make sure this person has enough work. I need to make sure that I'm steering the company in the right direction. Um, And just knowing that if things are starting to build and become successful, that there's the potential for that to fall. So I think that was a scarier thought to me than, than even starting in the first place. Yeah, no, that makes sense. When, you know, 12 years later now, when you look back, what, what would you do differently or what do you advise others to do differently if you were starting over? Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, so many things. And I still make some of the same mistakes today. I think the biggest one is to let go of imperfection. And for me, that is something I struggle with. And I, I probably will struggle with until the day I die, you know, and to overcome that, it's just about being okay with putting things out there in the world that aren't perfect. You know, people have told me what you consider to be a C level is for most people an A. So if I'm producing a design, let's say, that I look at it and I go, ah, I don't know if I like this so much, I put it out there and other people don't know what went into it and they don't understand the, the things that I understand about it. So they might see it and, and think completely, you know, something different of it. And that's, that's hard for someone who's naturally a perfectionist. So, um, you can get things launched so much faster when, you know, when you can let go of perfectionism. And if you don't put it out there, no one's going to see it anyway. So what does it matter? You know, it's better to put something out that is slightly less perfect or, you know, as, as good as it can be for the time being, and then spend the time improving on it. You can always improve. You can always make it better. Spend that time improving rather than, sitting and worrying about it being released in the first place. Yeah. This is, this is such a huge point, Kelly, and I struggle with it as well because I'm a perfectionist, but I think when you're a creative, it's gotta be an even bigger challenge as I, mm-hmm. I tend to nowhere near as creative as you, but I consider myself creative because I think to the point, the example you gave, some of it is so subjective as well. What, what I think looks good somebody else might have a different interpretation of that. That's the other reason I think we got to get it out there because at the end of the day, it's uh, who's receiving it, the customer, the the client, the public, whatever we're doing with whatever it is that we created. They're the end determinant of whether it's good or not, right? Exactly. And that's the hardest thing to realize, especially when you're creative, because it's so much of it is tied to you personally. And, right. you know, it's hard to separate yourself from that. Yeah. 
So I think the approach I got to imagine is you, you hire the right people, you validate that they're creating to some standard that you've set because, because the big thing is that whatever we put out there represents us, even if somebody else on our team created it, right? So mm-hmm. there, there's a big balancing act there, but you got to then let people bring to it their, their version of creativity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. yeah, and again, kind of going back to the separation of it being so much a part of you personally, um, but yet you have to let other people contribute and let the idea create itself. That's a hard lesson to learn. And I think a lot of people start uh, down an entrepreneurial path because of a passion that they have. Mm-hmm. And and that's good. You know, that's that's something that should motivate people, but it's really hard to separate yourself from it. And that's critical. Otherwise you end up kind of just having a hobby that you're trying to make money with. And, and there's, it can be so much greater than that if you're able to let go. Yeah. If you can't let go of that, you, you will end up forever trading time for money because you, you can't grow beyond yourself. Right. Um, that's just the way it is. My, my dad is a perfect example that he's, he's passed, but he was a high end carpenter. He worked on yachts and did fine woodwork but he could never build a team because they could never meet his level of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can only guess where I got my perfectionism, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but if we're going to be entrepreneurs, we, we have to learn how to get past that. It's a big challenge though. All right. So let's, let's dive into Facebook chat bots. Uh, this is fascinating to me. It's fast emerging. I know you guys are helping a lot of clients now because everybody's trying to figure out how they use this. So I'd like to start with you if you would please explain, introduce us to what Facebook chatbots are. Yeah, absolutely. So many of us, a lot of people, I think there's something like 2 billion users or 2 billion messages exchanged per day or per month. I can't remember the exact statistic. And a now lot. Butchering <laughs> it. Yes, a lot of people using Facebook Messenger to communicate with their friends and family. And businesses, you know, have even before chatbots came along, businesses had been using Messenger to communicate with customers. Well, what a chatbot is, is it allows you to automate some portion of that conversation that you're having with people. And these are only available to businesses. Um, there's not automation currently for personal messaging between friends and family, but I, I'm sure that's coming at some point. Um, and so basically what it does is it allows you to take kind of the, the front end of some of these conversations that you need to have with your customers and filter people. You know, you can ask certain questions, you can get data from them that is very simple, lower level kind of communication so that you don't have to have the manpower to filter through all of that. And then once someone gets to a point where you feel like, okay, this is now a person that I want to reach out and have a one-on-one conversation with, then you can jump in at that point and have a conversation via, you know, a live, a live messenger conversation. And as I understand it, there, there's two high level categories or types. There's command based and AI based or artificial intelligence based, right? Those are the two kind of at a high level, different types of bots. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. Um, Facebook is more heavily um, used for the command-based chatbot purpose. It's right now, any sort of AI that you use with a Facebook chatbot has to be manually programmed. So you have to come up with keywords that people could possibly 
um, use to respond and you know that can get really cumbersome quickly and it's not a very good it doesn't create a very good experience for the customer because they're always going to say something you didn't anticipate them saying and you might not have a response programmed in for that so right. what's working best is more command-based giving them buttons to answer yes and no and if they do any free text input, just very, very small amounts of that um, and making sure that you are kind of anticipating every answer they could come up with. We are starting to see some machine learning and NLP-based things being integrated with Facebook chatbots, and that is really exciting right now. Um, it's still you know, very much in its infancy and will continue to grow, but... Um, but I think it's kind of sticking with command-based things for now is, is the way to go. Yeah, that seems like the case to me. Uh, and two things, I mean, you know, the AI or artificial intelligence-based, it seems to me like it's it, obviously what we're, where we're going with it is so that it looks and feels, not looks, sounds and feels like a human. But A, that, that's complex to do right now. And I think also from a small business owner, it's expensive, right? That's an expensive option that's yes. probably not the way I, it's going to make sense for me to go as a small business owner. Yeah. Right. So command based yeah. is that tree. I'm going to lay out. I have predetermined path that someone's going to take to get through that first level of questions they might have or qualification, whatever the case might be, and then segue into a one-on-one -on -one or whatever the next level of communication is. Is that correct? It is. Um, a lot of people liken it to a phone tree system. And I, I hate that analogy, though, because I think none of us like phone trees when you call a company and, and you get, you know, stuck in this long menu of choices. I mean, there is the potential for that to happen with a chatbot, but that experience is much smoother with a chatbot. And I think there are so many uses beyond thinking of it like a tree that we just haven't even explored yet. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yes and no is the answer. Absolutely. Yeah. And let me, and I'll come back to that very point, but just to make sure everybody's following, uh, let's talk it. Let's start to talk some examples. The other day, for example, I went to the Facebook page for a car wash and they've implemented a simple one that allows me to, it, it, I, first of all, it has pre predetermined answers. I think there were three boxes that I could click on and one of them was, what are your locations? And so when I clicked on that, boom, it gave me, it said, Henry, we have two locations, one here, one there. And it gave me the address of the two. Is there anything else I can help you with? So that's a simple example on a Facebook page of what a bot can do, right? Mm -hmm. that, that information might, is probably on their website. It's probably even on that Facebook page. But as a user, I would have to go dig that out. This was a quick and easy way for me to get that. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's a great example. A few other things to take that even a step further. Um, local brick and mortars are really fun because I think there's a lot of really cool things you can do. Um, you can also have like a customer loyalty program. So every time you come in and get your car washed, you can scan a code when you're done and you can add up you know, points and redeem free car washes or discounts. Um, you can also send out things like flash sales. If, if you're having a slow day and you want to get some cars in the door, send out a flash sale on Messenger and say, you know, the first 10 people to get here in the next 10 minutes get a discount on their car wash. That, that's a great way to get in touch with people and uh, 
you know, get some, some live fast things happening. Okay. But, but I, but I, I'm not completely following you there. And that last example, that just sounds to me like an, an outbound message to people that are connected with me on my Facebook page, uh, but that's done through a bot. Is that what you're saying? Because it's conduct, because it's, because it's transmitted over messenger. Yeah. So when you are using a bot with your Facebook Messenger for your Facebook page, people need to subscribe to it. And Facebook has very specific rules about what constitutes a subscription. And there are third-party tools that you need to use to collect those subscribers. And so once someone has interacted with your page via Messenger, you need to ask their permission for them to be subscribed. I see. Once they have done that, then you can send out things like broadcasts and send them through automation sequences. Okay. Okay. If I've not subscribed, like when I went to that Facebook page for this car wash, uh, when I get there, the messenger window was open and it had those prompts, right? So that I, I, as a user, I don't have to subscribe. I just went to that Facebook page, right? Correct. Coming back to the point about it being too impersonal or some people call it spammy, uh, but let's let's stick with that scenario where I go to the page and now it's helping me answer questions. I, I kind of think that way as well. But on the other hand, and, and I'm getting this so much from you know younger people like my daughter who's a millennial, they hate picking up the phone and asking what's your location or what are your current whatever. Or and so I can see where this is really also addressing that. And the point I made about that information might be out there, but I don't want to take the time to go dig for it. Right? Exactly. Is that what you're seeing as to why this is becoming, one of the reasons this is becoming acceptable or, or, or being used by people? Absolutely. And I think just like with any technology advancement, there's kind of two sides to the coin. There's, there's going to be abuse of it and there will be things about it that will be annoying. But yeah, those are the primary benefits for users is that, you know, we're tied to our phones. Our phone is in our pocket 24 seven. Um, we text our family and friends. It's just so easy to type something in, send an emoji, click a button, whatever it is, and get an answer to what you need. So that's what's appealing for um, consumers and businesses love the engagement rate. You know, typically with a messenger bot, you're seeing anywhere between 80% and 90% open rates on your messages and click through and engagement rates are in the 30 to 40%, 50% even in some cases. So, you know, when you compare that to email marketing, which is averaging maybe, maybe 15 to 20% open rates and like single digit click through rates, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's impressive. I think also to the point that, that we're talking about here in this world where people are used to talking to Siri or some other device to say, get me this information. That's kind of where it's going, right? It's no longer enough to have it on your website and somebody has to go find that information there. Exactly. I think it's it's a way to stay in front of customers constantly and make it as easy as possible for them to find you. I think websites are kind of becoming more of uh, you know, the, the sort of second step, you know, you have a conversation with them, with people on the front end through something like messenger or a, an assistant of sorts, and then you direct them to your website for more information rather than making them search for it or happen upon your website in the first place. Yeah. 
All right, let's walk through another example, if, if we might. Uh, I own a self-serve frozen yogurt uh, and other desserts restaurant. It's a brick-and-mortar location. We have a Facebook page with pretty good engagement. I mean, back in the day, it was better. We've got about 14,000 likes. Um, let's talk through maybe how I might start with using a Facebook bot on that page. Yeah. So if you've got likes already on that page, I guess the, the second thing I would ask is if there, if you have an email list. We do. Um, it didn't come through, through Facebook, but we do have an email list of about 5,000 subscribers. Mostly we've built that list in the store uh, with a physical sign up list. And if you sign up, you get a buy one, get one free coupon has been the incentive. We get yeah. open rates on those emails in the 20 to 25% range. Probably now over time, they've, it's dropped. Uh, so it's around 20% open rate on the emails. Okay. Yeah. So I would go through all of those different channels and invite people to subscribe in Messenger um, to get different, you know, to get different things. Like again, a customer loyalty program, if they purchase 10, you know, 10 frozen desserts, they'll, they'll get one free or um, that sort of thing. And, and you would invite those people. There's, there's many different ways to get people to subscribe to your bot. And one of them is with a code that they can scan. Mm. So have a code inside the store that they can scan when they get there. Um, you can also just have them subscribe through a link. So send out a link to all the people on your email list and invite them um, to get, you know, notifications and subscribe. And then um, on the Facebook page itself, you can have a, 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 if you just post on the page, you can have the post go to a button. You can use a comment to subscribe. So if you are doing a Facebook Live, for example, and you want to offer a coupon, you can tell people to you know, enter or say coupon in the comments and we'll send you a coupon via Messenger. So the goal is to drive people to subscribe to my, what is it called? Subscribe to Messenger or to iTopit and the name of the business is iTopit. So subscribe, subscribe to iTopit Messenger. Is that the wording? Yeah, you definitely want to make it clear that people are going to receive communication through mm -hmm. Messenger. Through so Messenger, yeah. Subscribe in Messenger. Now, so, and, and so through that channel now, I'm going to push to them a promotion, right? Um, you can. Okay. Or, or what else? Like it, what else would, what else are people doing in a scenario similar to a business like mine now that I've got you to subscribe? Yeah. So this is a really interesting um, part of the conversation because I see things a little bit differently than a lot of people. First of all, Facebook has very, very um, strict rules about promotion. You, you, once someone subscribes or once someone interacts with your messaging bot, you have 24 hours to send them promotional messages. Interesting. So after a 24 hour period ex has expired, you need to get them to engage with you again before you can send a promotional mm -hmm. message. And okay. it's fairly easy to do this. You would send out a message that, you know, says something like, what's your favorite kind of ice cream? And then anyone who responds, then you say, hey, that sounds cool. You know, here, would you like a coupon? Yes, here's the coupon. Um, so, so there's definitely ways to do that. I think, number one, people that are using Messenger bots right now don't understand how that rule works. And frankly, Facebook is being a little bit vague on that rule because they want the ability to sort of gather data and 
and further refine that rule as people are using it. Yeah. And then the hammer will come down later, but, yeah. but, but, it, but it makes sense because if we start clogging that channel with nothing but outbound uh, messages, then people right. are going to tune out. Right. Right. Um, exactly. So, are, so immediately, what I think about are there are there tools, and I'm sure you're going to tell me yes. Like I use Meet Edgar to manage my Facebook posts and other social media posts. Are there tools like that, or does that tool help me manage this uh, this the subscription and sending that initial message and so forth, or is that something I set up within Facebook? How does that get done? Yeah, so there's there's two third-party tools that are kind of the leaders right now, and one is chat called ChatFuel, and the other is ManyChat. Uh, for businesses, ManyChat is definitely the best platform, and they've got more of a marketing mindset and approach to things, and so they are really aware of you know doing things like setting up sequences and tagging your subscribers so that you can send them relevant information and gathering data on them so you can know how to communicate with them effectively. And that that is the tool that manages all of your messages and interactions with people. And then I got to assume you offer that as a service, not that tool, but you offer this as a service to your clients? Yep, we do. And I think I think a lot of people can be very intimidated with where to start with chatbots. So at that's where I recommend, you know, find somebody to work with because there are, there are those of us who do this all day long and love it. And, um, you know, you're much, you're, you're going to get better results when you work with someone who knows what they're doing. Is it at a price point though, Kelly, that, that I can afford as a, as a very small business owner? It depends. Um, You'll find prices all over the board, just like with any other tech uh, type of thing. You know, our packages start at about $2,500 for the main, the basic setup. Um, and then once we start to build things on top of it from there, it's just kind of modular. We can add on pieces as we need. Um, but you'll find, you'll find places that'll, that'll do it less. You'll find freelancers that are trying to build up their portfolio and, and will charge less as well. So it just depends on uh, who you work with. And then I've poked around in Facebook. I've not set up a bot yet. And I've done, you know, I do Facebook ads. So I'm fairly savvy, fairly technical. Can I go into Facebook and set up a basic uh, bot that if somebody comes to my page, not, not pushing out, but not, so not for subscribers, but just if you land on my page, like the example for the car wash, it might be, you know, what's my location? What are the current flavors? What specials are, off, are we offering right now? You know, something like that. Three options, let's say. Can I set that up within Facebook or do I have to have a third party tool that then plugs into Messenger? Uh, yes, you can set it up within Facebook. They have some very, uh, very basic uh, functionality to let you do that. However, I, I would suggest that you just start right away with a tool like ManyChat. There is a free version for up right. to 500 subscribers. Mm -hmm. What that does is it allows you to collect a database on those people. Many or Facebook will not give you very much information on people and the way that you can associate data with those people is pretty rudimentary. I see. ManyChat is much more advanced. It'll allow you to segment um, and tag people, and it will also allow you to do more automation. There's not a lot of automation you can do in okay. Facebook. 
And Facebook has purposefully opened up this API on Messenger so that third parties can provide this functionality, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that that um, opens, it's been a couple of years now, like February, March in 2006. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I want to bring it back from the technical. Where Where do you suggest someone gets started who has not done anything with Facebook bots or bots for that matter? They have a Facebook page. How do you suggest I get started? Yeah, I think I think probably just, you know, if you learn through watching tutorials and things like that, there are, there are plenty of free videos and tutorials online. ManyChat has a great blog. I think they just came out with a free little course that you can take. Um, there's lots of places to learn online. And then from there, it's just a matter of experimenting. And, and I think, you know, starting small and then and, and seeing how that goes and, and go from there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you, the only way you learn is by making mistakes. And so you just kind of have to play around. Yeah. To that end, one of the things you talk about, and I want you to touch on if you would, is that you know the technology side of it is one thing, and we can figure that out, or we can hire someone, or we can use a third-party tool. That's really the easier part, in my opinion, once, once you get over the technology hump. The mm-hmm. harder part is the writing and the marketing design, the copy, because that's where this can all fall apart, regardless of the technology, right? Yeah, absolutely. And And to that point, I think... I think if you're on a budget and you're starting out, yeah, learn as much as you can by yourself. But then once you once you have learned the basics, then the marketing and the strategy and the writing, that's kind of next level. That's that's where it's really good to bring in someone who knows what they're doing or invest in taking a course where that is taught because that really makes the difference in whether or not your bot will be successful. Yeah. And it, and it is tricky because you got to lay, especially if we're talking about a bot that interacts to some level, how you lay that out, how do you progress with the messaging, how you convert, whatever that might mean in the case of your bot, what is it that you're getting them to do? Um, that's, that's easier said than done. Right. I, could, I could hire someone like you to help me with that, help me with that campaign and the messaging, and then I could take it from there technically and deploy it. Is that how you sometimes work with clients? Sometimes, yeah, we we usually recommend that someone do a monthly ongoing service with us because then, um, you know, we are tracking how things are going. We can optimize because this is not a like set it and forget it kind of thing. You need to be always optimizing and always coming out with new uh, ways to interact with people. So if you're at the level where you're hiring somebody, it's probably wise to try and and have them available on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And you bring up another point there, Kelly, that I wanted to ask about because from a small business owner, the other thing I think about is, oh oh my gosh, is this now something else that I have to monitor and keep track of? And of course the answer is yes, but tell me about that. How much what are we talking about here? If I deploy something like this, is it now going to create how much more work for me as the owner to monitor what's going on here? I think it can be as little or as much as you make it. Um, the automations that you can set up will be very hands-off. You know, there's there's rarely a time where someone will trigger something that they need a personal response to if you've set it up that way. 
Um, however, if you plan on using it for like market research, I just sent out a message asking people for their input on something and I got flooded with responses. And that's a great thing because I got a lot of data out of that, but it meant I had to block off a day and sit down and respond to all those people. Mm -hmm. So you just have to be strategic about it, you know, plan to spend time responding and, and working on it, but you'll get a lot of reward for that. Yeah. And on the flip side, like we've talked about, it could also help me with not having to answer a lot of those basic questions or, or not having to spend time qualifying a lead maybe because I can do some of that preliminary qualification through the bot. Is that fair? Exactly. And the more time you put into it, the smarter that system will get. I'm not necessarily saying the smarter your bot will get, because like we said before, yeah. <laughs> you know, the NLP is not quite there yet, but, um, but the better your system will get and the more places you'll identify where you could automate something or help get the right data that you need from your customers and serve your customers better. Yeah. All right. So you all have de developed a bot that you're naming Tara. It has a personality, obviously. So, so tell me what is Tara or who is Tara? Yeah. I mean, her initial design was to be just an education tool to take people through. This is what a bot does. This is how it can benefit your business um, and, and kind of serve as a lead generation tool for myself. I, at, at the very end, there's an option to either take a course that I have or hire us to create your bot for you. And that's where I started with it over time. She's, I mean, she's now my concierge, basically. You can go to the website and have a chat and, and get some questions answered. Um, I'm using it for customer research. Um, I'm using it to release, you know, different content that people are interested in. And, and that's just the beginning. I know that there are so many other uses that I want to, ha to have it for. And you'll create, you can create for clients uh, their version of Terra to do some of the same things. That's an example of what you could do for someone, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. A lot of, um, and that's the first thing we do is we sit down and ask, okay, where, what's going to be the best use case for your business and then create that to your business? Because there is not a one strategy fits all. Yeah. All right, so we've touched on it quite a bit, but summarize for us the, the services that you all offer your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a very full service agency, but we focus in helping bridge the gap between strategy and technology. So in our approach, we sit down and do a lot of strategizing before we start working. Um, we help people identify what technology stack they need, what tools, how to integrate them together. And then after we've done that, we do build out. So that is primarily with websites, membership sites. Um, we do a lot of branding work as well. Um, and then the automation side of things. So chatbots, email automation, and other tools, getting things to talk to each other and getting the best data out of it as possible. Yeah, you know, that makes perfect sense. Exactly what we've been talking about. This this chatbots is a technology, uh, but so critical is what is your overall strategy? What do you want to accomplish with this chatbot? How does it feed into the rest of your funnel? How does it tie into the rest of your marketing message? That's got to be in place first before you're going to get much beyond a basic tell me your address. Mm -hmm, absolutely. All right. Um, we'll start to wrap it up. 
books. I'm always interested in books. Is there a book that you've read uh, that you would recommend? Yeah, there's two that I'm really excited about right now. One is Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Um, excellent, excellent book about how to communicate with your customers and how to create position yourself in a way that creates this very easy to follow story so people can put themselves, you know, in, in that story. And then the other is near ELs hooked, um, talks about what, uh, what makes someone buy something? How do you get someone to be hooked on your product? They're both really interesting books. Tell me the title of the second one again. Hooked. Hooked. Okay. I have not read either of those. Great recommendations. Thanks for those. We'll have links to both of those on the show notes page to this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Kelly, what what do you love about being an entrepreneur? Uh, It's kind of a love-hate that no two (laughs) days are the same. (laughs) Um, I crave that variety and the just the endless amount of creativity that can be there. And so there are ups and there are downs. The downs are not so fun, but the ups make up for it. Do you, as a creative person, do you struggle with the uh, the administrative side of the business, the financials, all of those things? Are those, are those things painful for you? Or have um, you delegated those? How do you manage that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I'm getting better at delegating because the perfectionist side of me has a hard time delegating. But... <laughs> As much of a creative as I am, I'm almost equally type A. <laughs> so okay. yeah. I have very meticulous uh, QuickBooks and, and I've been told that my SOPs, standard operating procedures, mm-hmm. are phenomenal. So <laughs> um, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of lucky in that respect. That's great. That's great. I would expect nothing less. All right. Uh, fantastic. So what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we've had about Facebook chatbots? What one thing you want us to take away or start with? You know, you hit it perfectly just a couple minutes ago, and that is, you know, with technology, don't be afraid to use it. So many people are scared of technology, but I think it's because they're putting technology first and they're, you know, they're kind of idolizing it as to what it can do. It's kind of this magic, mystical thing. But what is more important are the basics of marketing, getting that down, knowing what your unique value is, knowing what your customers need, and knowing how to communicate your value and, you know, meeting their needs effectively, making that communication extremely effective. Then once you have all that down, the tech is just the icing on the cake. There's always someone out there that's going to know how to implement it for you. There's always a way to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish with tech. So just let that be the, the second fun part of it. Focus on the marketing first. Yeah, I, I agree. Well said. All right, tell us where you'd like us to go online to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have I have a free gift for your listeners. Oh, also. wonderful. Um, like that. You will find that with other information on etc.com slash how of business. And it's spelled E-K-C-E-T-E-R-A dot com slash how of business. And the free gift there is that um, there's a training on how to incorporate messenger bots into your business. Wonderful. We'll have a link to that as well on the show notes page. If you didn't get all of that at thehowofbusiness.com, encourage you to go to the website. I, I loved just walking through how you use your bot, Terra, 
was a great, as you mentioned, a great introduction to how it can be used. And so at a minimum, I encourage people to do that to start understanding what this is and how you can use it. So thanks for that. Okay. Thanks for the, uh, the link. You're welcome. Excellent. This has been a great conversation. I could go on for another couple of hours, but we'll get way too technical. Uh, thanks, uh, Kelly, for being with us today, for sharing your knowledge and taking the time to be on the show. Thanks. It was fun. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again was Kelly Garrett. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.